All right, I'm getting a quick lesson in PowerPoint, pro presenter, whatever we call this thing now. We're good. Friends, uh, it's so great to worship together here this morning. A couple of things I want to highlight quick, uh, but just before we get into our message time. Pastor Brian highlighted uh, the significance and importance in a worship gathering to pass the plate. And I just want to give you the heads up and uh, get your hearts to be ready that Easter Sunday, we're going to start to pass the plate again. And I think it's going to be meaningful for us. I think it'll be special. I know there are some people that, uh, that create some anxiety still for that. And so we'll still have a plate in the back. And if you'd like to leave your gift there. But I think when we worship together and when we are together, it's significant that we pass the offering and that we pass the communion plates together. And so this is coming. And I want you to be ready for that and anticipating that. Also with that, that's no indication of how the message is going to go. Uh, we are really, really, I want to say a huge thank you to our church family. Thank you so much. Uh, for the way that you rolled up your sleeves with our Costa Rica team and leaned in with us and blessed. Friends, by all accounts, this trip was a massive home run. And so much of that comes because of the faithfulness of people like you who leaned in with this team and with that ministry in Costa Rica and prayed and passed forward words of encouragement, uh, who gave sacrificially. Lives are changed, and we'll talk about this more through this message, because God's people were faithful and courageous and obedient to step up. So can I say a huge thank you to you and to our church uh, on behalf of our team and the Jimenez family in Costa Rica. Uh, We have great testimonies to tell, great stories to share, And we're going to do that uh, in the next couple of weeks, but over the next season, I would encourage you to approach our team and to uh, ask them to share a special story of how God's changed their lives. You know, uh, it's been uh, an interesting time, uh, a busy time, a full time, uh, but also a great season. And this morning marks uh, a different kind of season, the launch of a different kind of season for University Drive Alliance Church. Our lead pastor, Pastor Scott, is off on sabbatical starting today for three and a half months. And as we've been getting ready for um, this season that we have together, I started praying months ago and said, Lord, what would you have us do? What would you speak into the heart of our church? And specifically coming into the Easter season, what do you want to say to us? God started to put impressions on my heart of what uh, these next couple of weeks were going to be about. And as I prayed and as I read the scriptures, as I listened to podcasts or sermons online, as I would pay attention to articles that I was reading, it seemed to me that two themes were coming up over and over and over again. The first, the theme of evangelism, of sharing our faith forward, which we're going to talk about today. And the next theme of being a faith family, of being the local church and going all in with that. And as I thought about how God would share this message to us, so it's been... The, the story of my life, it's been the case of my life, that so often when people want to say something, they send a message, an email or a text or a letter. And so this series we've called Dear Church, and uh, considering it to be letters from God to us, as he has breathed in and confirmed and affirmed uh, a direction or, or a, a, a mantle or a calling for us in these coming days, and these coming weeks, uh, this comes from that. And then, you know, a couple of weeks ago, March the 5th, we leave, the Costa Rica team leaves to go to Costa Rica to an amazing place called La Lydia. 
And as we are on our way down, as we spent time with this amazing family, these, um, the sense that we had of what was going to come in these weeks, these messages, this calling to the church becomes affirmed and confirmed even more. And so in these weeks, I want to share stories with us about Costa Rica, but I also want to share this message that I really believe God has given uh, for this season in bringing us into Easter, challenging the church to rise up and to step up and to lean in. This was the fourth time that I've been to Costa Rica to be, spend time with the Jimenez family. Hopefully I can get this thing right. There we go. And just again, had an amazing experience. These are people who really get it. They, they struggle and they suffer in life just like you and me, but they're people who have an incredible heart for the community. People like Herson and Rocio, if you know them, you can see them just in the middle there to the right. People like Carmen and Daniela, people like Stephen, people like Alberto, and then on, the, on, the, on my left, I suppose you're right, uh, Cecilia and Marcos. Incredible people, and as we got to know these people more and more, we start to understand more and the more the way that God has designed and created them to be. When we first met this family in 2014, the Muellers, the Moors, and the Dixons on a vision trip, we had a meal with them, and to be very frank with you, uh, as we, we, didn't, we didn't understand the heart of all of them at that time. In the, in the back of our, our gathering, just stepped off to the side a little bit was this man, Marcos Hidalgo Jimenez. And then on construction trip one, this quiet, introverted man started to come out of his shell a little bit. And as we started to build and construct, we started to see the amazing talents that God had given to him. He is an, he's, he's just has a huge heart for construction and he's really talented with his hands. He can pour cement floors, as you can see there. He can help put up posts and pre, uh, precast concrete panels. He welds uh, the roof trusses that you can barely see at the top. And yet, as amazing as he is at leading our teams, as amazing as he is at uh, putting these things together, as simple as they are, what really has started to shine through as we've gone back again and again and again is the heart of this man for his community. 30 years ago, Marcos Hidalgo Jimenez was a pastor in a barrio of San Jose called Los Guizaros. And through a series of circumstances, none that he ordained or brought on himself he stepped out of that role, but he continued to serve his community with a desperate heart to lead them forward to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And as God has inspired his mind, we've seen in Marcos uh, a, a courage, uh, a tenacity, an obedience to do hard things, even at high cost, at high personal sacrifice, uh, using his own money and resources to advance the cause of Christ and to transform communities. This guy loves Jesus, and it comes out when he works. He literally lives a life of worship. He's constantly singing. He jokes around with us, but then he points us back to God. When we construct something and we step back and take a look at it, frequently out of his mouth are the words, Gloria de Dios, glory to God. And for those who've gone to Costa Rica, you'll know that there's an expectation as, as Marcos works. Well, number one, that we're going to worship, but two, that there's going to be a response. And so oftentimes, as, as we're working, all of a sudden, in a booming voice, we'll hear the word, Santo! 
which means holy. And the expectation of the group to respond is to respond with the words, hallelujah. This man has done incredible things in his community. He's an amazing man that's carried a heavy burden with him. And and as he carries this heavy burden, the burden isn't so much the, the struggle in life that he has, but it's a burden for lost people. It's a heart to see his community journey with Jesus and to walk more closely with them. And it's from that perspective that we want to talk this morning. If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to open them to uh, Luke chapter 24. We're going to spend a few minutes here this morning talking through what it means to live uh, with a burden in our lives. What does it mean to share our faith? How can we with fresh passion and vigor, evangelize this city and this community and this region to see the work of Christ transform it. And so if you have your Bibles, we're gonna walk through this here today. I don't think we have time to read through the whole passage, and so I wanna highlight three areas, but we wanna talk through what it means to live a life of worship and evangelism. And can I just say one more time, friends, that As we enter into this season, it's the strong impression on my heart. God has put a strong impression on my heart that we really need to hear these words. That the season is ready, that the time is ripe, the fields are abundant, that God is calling us into this and he's leading us forward. And I believe that God in his sovereignty has woven together the lessons of a mission trip and the direction of a church for the next season and beyond as we consider what God has for us next. You know, whenever we talk about vision in the church, there's one thing that always remains the same. Sometimes the direction changes course a little bit, but at the center of a vision, always in a church, is Jesus Christ. Jesus must be at the center of all we do. And if Jesus is going to be at the center of all we do, then University Drive Alliance Church and other Bible-believing churches have to be all about the things of Jesus. We want to be all about the things of Jesus. And so it's important when we study the scriptures that we understand the heart of who he is. It's important that we practice and we, we um, move forward in the ways that he moved forward in. We want to make sure that we, that we get things right, that we value the things that were important to him. And as we say those words, I think that this passage gives us a beautiful glimpse into the heart of our king. And especially coming into the Easter season, what really matters to Jesus and what should matter to us is people walking in close relationship with the living Christ. This is an amazing passage, and if you study it at all, which I would encourage you to do after our service is done here today, it gives us a lens into the heart of of Jesus. Let me give you a little bit of historical context In Luke 23, we've just seen the crucifixion of Jesus Christ take place. And as he was uh, killed and hung on the cross, he was removed from the cross, and then he was placed into a tomb. And when we get to Luke 24, the world hasn't awoken to the fact yet that Jesus has risen and is alive. They're still in a spot of despair. There's there's conflict in the hearts of the Israelite people because the, the promised Messiah, the King, that had come and showed miraculous healings. He had shown transformation. He'd spoken with authority. He'd cast out demons. This promised king who had come and they had seen, they knew was the fulfillment to prophecy. The one that was giving them hope, all of a sudden they thought 
had been defeated and was dead. But the good news of this story right away that we see in in Luke 24 is that Jesus has conquered death. He's defeated the grave and he's on mission again. And in the early parts of, of, uh, of Luke 24, we see that these women bring spices um, to, the, to the tomb, and when they arrived at the tomb to worship their king one more time, they were met with a stone that was rolled away. And when they came back to the, from the tomb, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary the mother of James and the others began to tell the apostles that something was wrong, something had changed that Jesus wasn't there. In the midst of of this, there's a story of two men who were, um, on the same day that this was happening, two men were traveling to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. Verse 15, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Early on in Luke 24, starting in verse 13, we start to see what the heart of Jesus is. We see the intentionality. We see the mantle and the burden, the mantle that he's carrying, and the burden he has to see lost people come into relationship with the almighty God of the universe. And what really stands out for me here as I studied this passage this last week was the intentionality and the urgency of Jesus to get right back to work of bringing people into relationship with the Father. This burden is revealed, and it's not an oppressive burden. It's a responsibility. It's an urgency within him. It's even a desperation, friends, to walk closely with people. And what we discover in this passage is that the work that Jesus does is to shine a light on on the Father. It's to point people towards the Father and then to speak truth over their lives. It's to help them understand that from the beginning of time, Jesus has had a plan. It It brings them back to understanding the historical and prophetic perspective. And you can see this in verse 25 and 26. That God is who he says he is that he's faithful and he's good and we can count on him and live in relationship with him and out of relationship with him come so many blessings. Jesus longed for people to step into the blessing of the Father and not live in the defeat and sorrow of the days that they lived in, not to be discouraged by the, the plight of the world, so to speak, but instead, friends, to live in the victory of the risen king. He longed for them to know this. And he models early on in this passage, Luke 24, in the first steps coming out of the tomb, just exactly this. And so it begs the question, if University Drive Alliance Church wants to be uh, centered on Jesus, if we want to be about the things of Jesus, do we carry a similar type of burden on our hearts here today? The lost people really matter to the heart of this church. When we journey in the communities that we live in, uh, Sunridge or Copperwood or Indian Battlefield Heights or Heritage or wherever it is that you live, Tudor, wherever, does it really matter to us that the reality of not knowing Jesus means that people someday are going to die and go to hell? That they're not going to spend eternity with Jesus in heaven? 
that they will be subject to eternal torment and eternal suffering. Does this matter to our heart? And as we uh, suggest that, I don't say that to create guilt, but rather motivation. Are we intentionally stepping into people's lives and pointing them towards Jesus? Are we working to build bridges with lost people with the aim of seeing them becoming fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ? You know, friends, in the Canadian context that we live, I think that so often we've excused ourselves from the work of sharing our faith or, or telling others about Jesus because of the context that we live in. We're so polite, we're so politically correct, we're so, um, we're so woke at times, and I believe oftentimes it's come at the cost of evangelism. I read an article this past week that suggested that the 11th commandment should have been, thou shalt not use inappropriate tone. And I wonder, friends, if sometimes we feel like it's inappropriate for us to step forward and step into people's lives. And while I'm not suggesting that we should become adversarial, I am suggesting that we give consideration towards um, sharing our faith in a fresh way, to living in obedience, to living with courage, to coming alongside of others, even at the fear of being canceled. And at some risk, because I believe this is what Jesus has called us to do. Matthew 28, 19 says what? Go into the world and make disciples. Next Sunday, we're going to celebrate with Carter, and we're going to work on the second part of that, and baptize them. It's going to be awesome. You have to be here. But he calls us, and it's not a suggestion. It's the great commandment. It's the great instruction. And here, too, in Luke 24, 15, we see the model of Jesus. There's the call of Jesus in Matthew 28, and here in Luke 24, it's the model of Jesus to intentionally walk with people, pointing them to Jesus, and not bowing to the culture and remaining silent. Friends, as I said, I'm not trying to create guilt, but rather I'm asking us to prayerfully consider and put fresh energy towards who God has sovereignly placed around us, asking uh, what is the opportunity we have to walk with others and prayerfully ask, who is God placed on our hearts? Who do we have a burden for? Who can we step in with? Who are we regularly praying for and walking with, with the intention of pointing them towards Jesus? When we were in Costa Rica, one of the uh, developing stories, as I said, is the story about this man, Marcos Jimenez. He's an incredibly humble man. In fact, it took two or three pictures to get this one. One of the things I've come to love about Marcos is the incredibly hard way that he works in life. Every day before we get there, and the teams who've gone will know this, there's a humble pie moment that happens when we arrive on site because Marcos has been up for hours and has already done tons of work. And we would arrive and, and roof trusses would be welded or panels would be put into place or a tree stump had been removed that we, four of us, couldn't remove, but a couple of them figured out. There was a lot of work that had been done, but what some people don't know is that even before work started for Marcos and Herson and Stephen and others, they would start at four. Marcos had already been up for a few hours to pray for his community. There's a burden on his heart. And as people uh, ask Marcos about his community, you can start to see the way that his heart melts for lost people. 
You could see it in his eyes as tears would pour down his face. You could hear it in his voice as his voice trembled. He shares of a longing for people to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. And so I ask the question again, do we live life with the same sort of burden for lost people around us, friends? Are we awoken in the night longing to see our neighbors and family and friends and loved ones come to a saving knowledge of Jesus? I ask you, who has God put in your heart to journey with? Well, as we started to learn about uh, Marcos more and more, we could start to see, even on the first day, the amazing way that Marcos and and Herson and, uh, and the rest of the family journey with people from their community. For different reasons, uh, many of these men, um, and not necessarily Stephen in this picture, but many of the men that they work with couldn't find work elsewhere. And so the Jimenez family found creative ways to bring them on board and, and to employ them. One man was a man by the name of Douglas. And if you looked at Douglas, you could see that he had a massive scar up his arm. He, uh, something had happened earlier in life and it had, it had robbed him of having any strength or any power in his hand. He could use it, he could move his fingers, but he had no strength or power there, and as a result, he couldn't find work. Another, little, another man was uh, a boy by the name of Jackson who he deeply fell in love with. Jackson was 14 years old. Jackson had incredible needs in his life, probably some of the most humble living conditions we've ever seen. His house was literally four posts with a tarp around it and a tarp over the roof. His mom was uh, pregnant while we were down there, still is as far as we know, but quite ill. She was iron deficient and at risk of losing her baby. There was needs in the life of Douglas. There was needs in the life of Jackson. There was needs in the life of a man named Eduardo who we learned uh, didn't have God in his heart yet. And as these Men would be invited in and rub shoulders with the Jimenez family. The Jimenez family worked, I would suggest, even overtime to bring Jesus to the center of whatever it is that they were facing or whatever it is that they were journeying through. Sometimes it would come in the form of a prayer. Sometimes it would come in the form of just sharing a scripture with them, declaring truth. Sometimes it was in the form of being generous and providing food or medical supplies. Whatever it was, there was an opportunity that the him and his family saw and modeled to center their situation on Jesus and, 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 a, and a focus on how they could help these families step forward towards Jesus and step forward in life in Jesus' name so that they too could hopefully experience the transforming work of Christ. And as we go back to Luke 24, we see this practice uh, taking place in the life of Jesus. Back in verse 13, as these men were leaving Jerusalem, Scripture says that they were processing everything that had just taken place. They were discouraged, we can see. They're going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about the things that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus came up, and as he said, what are you talking about in verse 17? They stood still, their faces downcast. They were discouraged. And as they walked, the scripture says that they were walking seven miles west, which is significant. It's not just acute literary detail. It's metaphorical and it's powerful in its presentation, these words, because it speaks on how Jesus steps into their lives. And as they're walking towards Jesus, Jesus walks towards them. And at the end of the day, with the sun setting behind them, 
They were likely blinded from his face because of the, of the work or because of the way that the sun was shining around and through Jesus. They couldn't see his face. But he steps into the middle of that light. And he, as he steps into the middle of that light, he starts to speak to them. He starts to connect with them. He starts to relate to them. And for whatever reason, God chose to, to hide Jesus' face to begin with. But what I think is significant and important here is the posture of Jesus to enter into a confused crisis moment of these men's lives and point them towards truth and give them a sense of home, a relationship with God, a changed perspective on their situation that they're working with. And in doing so, he brought life and light and hope to a broken time. Long ago, it was said that, Christ, that as Christians, we journey towards, uh, when we journey in the wilderness, we, we journey towards not a night that falls, but a light that breaks. And I want to suggest, friends, that some of the best work that we can do in evangelism is, number one, is, bring, uh, or, or is to bring Jesus to the center. It's to come walk alongside of others, number one. And number two, it's to bring Jesus to the center of all circumstances of life and gently and intentionally and purposely point people towards God. Sometimes it's the simple things that we do. Just even walking with somebody through a difficult season has an impact on a life. Watching for opportunities to say something as courageous and bold, but as simple as humble as, can I pray about that for you? Sometimes it's, as simple as taking a meal. Sometimes it's reminding people of of truth from scripture. Sometimes it's sitting down and speaking into someone's life and lovingly telling them that God has so much more. In all of it, there's an intentionality, there's a burden, there's a responsibility that Christians carry and as they step forward, I'm telling you friends, a blessing will come. When we walk through the baptism class that Carter's done uh, with Pastor Brian, one of the things that we say is that every single time a word is confessed in Jesus' name, God always uses that moment. It's never wasted. When, When people share their testimony in this tank behind the screen, it's never wasted. And you can see a pattern. If you chart the baptisms in my time here of the last nine and a half years, you can see how people's words that are spoken in Jesus' name touch another life because person after person after person has declared, wow, if God can work in the life of someone like Carter in that way, maybe he can do the same for me. And similarly, when we rub shoulders with the community that we live in and that we're a part of, as we bring Jesus to the center and we watch for opportunities to share Christ, Some of the most effective and incredible uh, evangelistic work that we do, discipling work that we do, comes as we share when the Holy Spirit prompts our heart. It blesses, it moves, it transforms. For Marcos and, and, and for Herson, this has become a daily practice. It's become an opportunity for them to come alongside of people and to daily point them towards Jesus. Here's a picture of us starting the project. It's hard to believe, team, that we got this thing done. Actually, there was a point that I wasn't sure it was gonna get done. 
But you can see there just over Marcos' shoulder a man by the name of Eduardo. That first day, Herson uh, pulled me aside and he said, there's something you need to know about Eduardo. And I was kind of ready for it. He says he doesn't have God in his heart yet. As we worked with Eduardo, there was lots of opportunities that week to work hard and we laughed a ton which has become one of the trademarks of these trips that we go on. In fact, it got, we were laughing so hard at one point, I think Herson said to, to Ruben, he said, my chest is hurting, I've been laughing so much. But the impact of our team, and more than that, of the him and his family journeying and bringing Jesus to the center, is that I really believe that God is going to do a work in Eduardo's life. We started to see evidence of it on the Friday night. This is Tuesday morning, I think, pretty sure. On Friday, we had a celebration for the Commodore. Even though it wasn't done, the community, some of the community came together. And as we're singing songs and as we're dancing and worshiping, I looked back at one point, and there was Eduardo with his hands raised high. Friends, think of the people around you. Think of the, of the circumstances around you. It seems like disaster in the making, but this is often the time that God shows up and does his best work. And often the best evangelistic tool is to come alongside uh, with maybe what we could call simple evangelism. Bringing Jesus to the center, giving people a different perspective, bringing some food, offering to pray, sharing a scripture, reminding people that God is the God who creates and the God who loves, the God who restores. It's not always hard work. But as we've watched and as we learned in Costa Rica, the intentionality of bringing Jesus to the center always has a huge impact on the community. In the weeks leading into Costa Rica, we had a team meeting in the gym just on the other side of that wall. And as we were meeting and sharing testimonies and spiritual gifts and and learning more about each other, it became more and more apparent that God had put together a very special team for a very special time. Application forms had come in, but what I wasn't aware of is how God's fingerprints and how his handiwork was woven into the heart of that team. And as we got down into Costa Rica, it became more and more apparent that God had strategically brought specific people together and that he was going to accomplish something great. Even in the, in the midst of great struggle and great strife, in the brokenness of some of our teammates, they were able to share in beautiful ways, and God used those exact moments at that exact time in that exact way to transform lives in Costa Rica. And one of the things that I was just really aware of this week is that as desperate as the situation can be down there, here in Canada, we're living in desperate times too. And I think that so often when I think of sharing my faith with others, I try to create the perfect environment and execute in the perfect way. I need to have it all figured out. The stage has to be set just right. Things have to be lined up before I can share my faith with others. And what God taught to me is, it doesn't matter what I think when he says it's time and, it's ready and, and you need to be ready to go, that is the time that we need to rise up and be courageous. The sense I had this week is that 
The time is ripe for us as we come into the Easter season to, with fresh passion and fresh vigor and a fresh commitment, to share our faith in a fresh way again. As much as I want to have things figured out and perfect and the stage set right, friends, I think that oftentimes God just blesses simple obedience and a simple desire. And so I look at our community and I think, as we come into Easter, our Easter services, as we journey after Easter with a series that will hopefully draw people to continue uh, walking here at the church, uh, there, there's, there's an opportunity for us to share our faith in fresh ways again. And as we share our faith in fresh ways, I believe that similar to the Costa Rica team and similar to what we see in Luke 24, we're going to arrive into a place that's similar to what verse 32 says. As Jesus, as they broke bread and finally recognized who Jesus was, it says in verse 32, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? There was this acknowledgement that something bigger had happened than just a simple journey and a simple walking together. That God had moved in their lives. That he had touched their lives. We were down uh, south we had this opportunity to build a Commodore. And we anticipated that God was gonna move. You could feel the presence of God on the property. On the last night that we were there, we spent time with Herson. You could feel the presence of God. And there was this anticipation that a greater work was being accomplished. On the Wednesday night, our ladies, or the Wednesday during the day, our ladies uh, launched a craft time again coming out of COVID for these, these families or these ladies in Costa Rica. They had, they had uh, put their craft time, their ladies' Bible study on hold, and so our ladies came down, and during the craft time, um, or they hosted a craft time, and ladies from the community came. Uh, Jackson, uh, Waddell, and myself went out on the bus with Herson. I don't think anybody else of our team was there that day, but we went on the bus, and we drove around the community and picked up around 40 ladies and brought them back to the Jimenez property. And that day they made a little craft, I can show you a picture afterwards, a little disc with some scripture on it that they painted and put together. And then Cecilia shared a Bible study and then they prayed together. And they left and you could feel the buzz and the excitement in the, in the, uh, or on the property as they were leaving the place. The next Wednesday we were in San Jose getting ready to come back to Canada and we started to get pictures from uh, Carmen, her own sister, Marcos' daughter, uh, showing us that the following week, because of the faithfulness of our ladies to lead a craft time and to be present with people and point them towards Jesus, the next week a throng of women showed up again for another craft time and another Bible study and a prayer time. And there's a picture of a truck, like a farm truck, a flat deck with some rails on the side, like 25 or 30 women that have packed into this vehicle and they're, they're going home and blessed. And then this last Thursday, I got another text from Herson, and I don't know if the rest of the team got this. The text I had from him said, brother, the momentum continues. And as the ladies had come together, some of the men had come, and they did another craft, and then in the Bible study time, somehow or in some way, I wasn't there, so I don't know, but the gospel was presented. And a husband and, their wife, and his wife bowed the knee and prayed to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. Friends, sometimes it's the simple things. 
And we try to get this figured out. We try to set, make the perfect situation. We try to create the perfect circumstances. But so often, God just uses simple, willing obedience to transform a life and to transform a community. And I'm telling you, friends, I believe it with my heart in these days that God has brought us together in a specific way at a specific time for a specific purpose of seeing people in the community of Lethbridge and its outer regions come to a saving knowledge of him. And I believe he wants to use University Drive Alliance Church to have an impact. The gifts that are needed are in the room. The time that is required is available. The vision that we need to move forward and be courageous, it's on the table. Lost people matter to Jesus, and without somebody declaring and telling them about him, and without them receiving Jesus as Savior and Lord, things could be really tough. The call to share our faith isn't optional, friends. It's critical. And in this season, as we step forward through difficult days, I really believe that God is inviting us into fresh obedience for these times. To share our faith, to walk closely with people around us, to invite Jesus to the center of whatever it is that they are going through or we're going through, and to give him praise together. So I ask you again, what's the burden on our shoulders? Who is it that God brings to mind when we think about lost people or pre-Christian people? Who needs to hear the good news of Jesus? And I'm trusting that in these moments, God has put a name in our mind. He's put a name in our heart. And he's inviting us to step forward with them. It's time to put on the hard hats and get to work. So this morning, I'm going to invite you to respond in one of two ways. I'm going to invite you or I'm going to encourage you to invite your pre-Christian friends to our Easter services. This room seats 430 people. On a typical Sunday, we're in person between two services around 350 people. So that means between two services, we have approximately 410 people we can invite to church. Or more, we'll set up overflow seating if that's required. But I believe that God is is prompting us to invite people to church. And the other thing is that we want to be praying for these people. And so after church today, I'm going to invite you to be bold and courageous. And that name that God's put into your heart or into your mind, I would love for all of us to go out. And I'm going to put a name down too. And there's a whiteboard in the foyer. And I would invite you just to write the first name of whoever that person is. We'll take it down for Easter Sunday so we don't embarrass them. But put that name on the board. And then we're going to start praying for these people. And we're going to start believing that God is going to move in the hearts and the life of our community, in the hearts and life of the people that he's put into our hearts and our minds. And we're going to believe that God is going to, is going to uh, do what he always does. Transform lives. Bring people into relationship with the Father. Promise them eternity. Give them the Holy Spirit. Set them free from their sinful lives and sinful patterns. And help them to live in the abundance of the of the abundant life. This is our time, church. This is our calling. The hard hat is in front of us. God is inviting us with fresh passion and fresh calling and fresh vigor to share our faith forward again. I'm going to invite you to join me. And I'm going to invite you to step up and watch as our community gets transformed. Will you pray with me?
And then hopefully we'll go to the foyer and start writing down some names. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that we have the privilege of being your kids. And God, if we were to take time today, I'm not sure we have enough time today, if we went around this room and we started to share the stories of transformation, I think we could fill the rest of this day. And it would be awesome, God. We would be blown away at the way that you've transformed hearts and lives in this very room. But God, we know that you want to do so much more. God, we saw it in Costa Rica. We heard the desperation of people like Marcos Hidalgo Jimenez crying out for his community. We heard the stories of a man who gets up every day at two and three o'clock in the morning to pray and ask and plead with you to move in the hearts and lives of these people. And God, we pray that you would stir in our hearts in a similar way. God, transform this city. Transform the lives of people around us. Put a burden into our hearts, Lord Jesus, I pray. And God, as that name is upon our heart now, I pray that you'd give us courage to go into that foyer and to write it down. And God, our commitment to you is going to be that we will pray and we will step up and we will serve and we will love and we will point people towards you with reckless abandon, even at personal cost. Because God, we know that lost people matter to you. We want to be with our friends and our loved ones and our brothers and sisters and our our neighbors and our coworkers, we want to be together in heaven, eating at the great banqueting table. So God, stir our hearts, transform our, our postures, and use these next moments and this next time. For the glory of God and the joy of all people, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, as we go, I want to encourage you to go and write down those names and we will be faithful to pray for them as a staff and as a church. And as, as things happen, as each one reaches one, come and tell us the stories because as you testify, as you share those stories, it motivates and it stirs and it encourages others to be bold and courageous in the same ways. Are you with me? Amen. Let me give you a benediction as we go. Church, let's go and be the church. Let's be the hands and the feet of Jesus in a world that desperately needs him. Let's shine the light of Jesus Christ in darkness. Proclaim his name. God bless you guys. We love you so much. And we'll look forward to seeing you next week. Go throw a name on that board. We're going to start praying together.